You are listening to Let's Talk Tribe, the official Let's Go Tribe podcast. Swung on, lines the deep left field. It is gone! It went deep right. Batista's going to wave goodbye. Start the fireworks show. This is Let's Talk Tribe, the official Let's Go Tribe podcast, episode 120. I am your host, Matt Lyons, and on this week's episode... The Indians beat the White Sox and Orioles by quite a bit in some games. There were finger guns everywhere. Shane Bieber had a really good outing. I, I feel like I owe an apology to Mike Freeman. Oscar Mercado has been really good. And this week we're going to answer a bunch of your questions in sort of a mailbag episode. Nobody to interview, so that'll be fun. Um, joining me for all that and more, as always, is Mr. Merritt Rolfing. Merritt, how you doing? No, I'm fine. How are you? It's going good. Other than the, the, the game we just sort of watched the... It's over by the time people hear this, obviously, but there was a couple of bats that were pretty bad against the uh, the A's there at the end. A couple of trash boys in there, yes, ex- I agree. It's a little... I, I feel like we're going to talk about it at some point later, but uh, Carlos Gonzalez is still apparently on this team, and I'm not Get sure why. Get him out of there, yep, I, I agree. <laughs> um, so yeah, let's just talk about the the games that we've had this week. I mean, the, the Indians, the offense, for the first time, I believe all season, they went over five runs against the White Sox, only scored 10, and then they scored, what was it, like nine against the Orioles, and then... 17 or 14 against the Orioles so they've they've gone crazy on offense um, I mean it's kind of beating bad teams but it's always the old adage you got to beat who's put in front of you and that's who the Indians had in front of them and they absolutely destroyed them so um, so what are some of your thoughts from just the offensive explosion we saw this week from these teams well I mean we could definitely ignore the fact that they lost nine to one to the White Sox back on May 6th nope, that was that's not that no no that was that was without that was past a week we don't talk about that that's true that was a long time ago we didn't care about that <laughs> or the fact that in, in those two games in between the, game we don't two. acknowledge that <laughs> anyway moving on um sometimes you're reminded that there's some teams out there that you know you complain about your favorite team being bad um for instance Many have in the past complained in the recent past about the Cleveland Indians being bad at 25 and 20. And then you do something like watch the White Sox or, God help you, watch the Orioles. <laughs> and who, baby, I mean, Trey Mancini can really hit the ball. He's a very talented hitter. But after that, what is going on with that? That team is doing everything it's supposed to, I know. But they are really bad. They are not good at all. I mean, I've forgotten what it's like to watch a team like that. I don't feel like we've had an Indians team that bad. Like in the last Ever. decade? Yeah, no, I, I, I don't think there's been an Indians team as bad as the Orioles are since the early 90s. And I think even that is a stretch. The Indians just never did this. I mean, it was, it was never a thing. The Indians never, have never had the opportunity to be bad. And, well, they have one opportunity, I guess, um, right at the turn of the decade to do this. But they just never were that bad. I think part of that was just the division was really not great, too. The Royals were terrible. The Tigers were really good, obviously. But beyond that, the Twins were kind of scuffling around, and the Sox, and, um, the Sox were stinky, too. And that's kind of the, the downside to being in the AL Central in this era of the tank. Um, you can't do it. You just can't do it well. Um, because somewhere else, there's a team like you know the Marlins getting bludgeoned however many, what, 19 times four, whatever that number is, just in their own division. Or, you know, again, the Orioles, because they have to play the Yankees, Rays, and Red Sox. There's these teams that are just going to get annihilated because they play the Reds. I f- you feel so bad for the Reds sometimes. They're really bad, but also they're playing against three playoff teams, like three borderline World Series contenders. I feel like the Reds at least have something to watch. Because, I mean, you got Puig, you got um, Joey Votto. There's a couple young players. It's like the Orioles are just 
a wasteland. <laughs> like last year, when they were so bad, the the Reds. But but and that's the thing too. Yes, this year the Orioles are particularly a wasteland. I mentioned before Trey Mancini, but beyond that, they have two other guys having an above average influence on the offense with an OPS over a hundred. Then you get down to ninety four by Rio Ruiz, and then uh, seventy. Oh, there's a nine. Okay, Jonathan Vigar is being slightly below average. Yeah, no, they they stink. Then the bad thing about them too is their bullpen is bad. And as we've watched the last two years, nothing can make a good team look bad like a bad bullpen. But when you have a bad starting pitching and a bad bullpen and no hitting, and maybe the worst hitter in baseball over the over the last couple of years ever uh, in Chris Davis. It's really a perfect storm of just dreadful. You feel bad. You, you really hope that that manager gets to experience, um, you know, the good side of things at some point, because this is a hell of a way to start your managerial career. He just looks so dead inside. He was also the first base coach for the Cubs in 2016. So, I mean, screw that guy. But it's just, he just looks so dead on the inside. He came, Every oh, no, time he's was, on the sideline. It, it's their GM who came over from uh, uh, the Astros. That's who it was. Yeah. Okay. No, their first their their manager now was the first base coach of the Cubs. In right, but, but uh, Mike Elias, their general manager, also came over from the Astros. Oh, so, gotcha. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So it's it's two teams who who are really good at being this bad. So Mike Petriello actually wrote that uh, Chris Davis, despite starting as bad as he did and still not being fantastic, I mean, he could be an all star just because the Orioles have to send somebody and there's they're blocked everywhere else by even their their marginal players are blocked by better players on other teams. So. Chris Davis could go O for whatever to start the season and still be an all-star just because his team is so bad. I want this to happen now. You know what's going to happen. Is they're going <laughs> to send a fucking reliever. Of course. That's what it Although who? For, Michael for Givens? Team. I don't even know. I mean, he's pretty, he doesn't know that bad. But Paul Fry, who we saw get beaten up by the Orioles. Like, some random guy is going to go. Or Dylan. Nope, not Dylan Bundy. He's bad, too. John. <laughs> he's only good against the Indians now. I don't even know. Like, this team is just very bad. So, it's it's hard to get too, too psyched. It's... Obviously, it's satisfying to, to notch some wins, and it's nice to beat up on a bad team every now and again. But then things do happen, like you lose to them 5-1, to one, you go, God damn it, what the hell happened? And what happened was, I don't even know what happened that game. That was a weird one. That was just Dylan Bundy and the offense looked atrocious. That that yeah. was one, I don't know, that was part of where Oscar Mercado was sat out for no reason. I know he's not mm-hmm. going to save everything, but that was kind of like another really annoying decision by Terry Francona just just to sit him out for no reason just because you got to get Carlos Gonzalez his at bats I don't yeah um, let's that was a really frustrating game because of all the bunting they tried and I don't know and losing to Dylan Bundy is just frustrating even though they, they scored so many runs the two games before and the game after they scored a bunch of runs but it's just oh, that game was a that was a low point sort of which is weird in the in the sea of other games that it was in we were talking about before the podcast about how um, Lou Trevino is a great baseball name, and I feel the opposite about Dylan Bundy. Dylan Bundy. Oh, that's a great baseball annoying, name. I know it's an annoying thirteen-year-old. What are you talking about? That's a little league <laughs> name, is what that is. I, I can see that at least, but it, it's some kind of baseball name. Dylan Bundy. That's a very. I, I guess. A pretty good baseball I don't know. Name. I'm 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 it's up two there. minds about it at best. At least two minds. <laughs> I, I can at least would... concede that it's mostly a little league name. It's just the most annoying player on your little league team, which I can relate to right now because my kids are in little league and there is all the annoying kids have those kind of names like Dylan mm-hmm. or Dylan. Stop it! No, we're eating the grass. Dylan. 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 Stop. Dylan. Stop eating. The... No. No. That's goose poop. No, Dylan. Oh no. 
the, people always like joke about the, how bad some little league parents are, but what like sitting on the sidelines now and listening to it, like these, I'm just my kids are in the level where the coach still pitches at them, and there's still people who argue about the rules and they're like yelling at their kid constantly. Like, I love it. Let the kid play, man. He's gonna grow up and be Dylan Bundy. Do you want that out of your kid? You got to put untold amounts of pressure on these kids, otherwise, you know, what they turn into. <laughs> I don't even know. They just turned into nothing. Or you got to just yell at them constantly, and then you end up with a Bryce Harper. And don't we all want Bryce Harper to be our kid? I mean, I don't personally, but <laughs> yeah, I don't want. Like well, I ni- mean, part of it, but he seems like a nice enough guy, I'm sure. But I don't know. How can you? How can you grow up in Vegas and not be cooler? It freaks me out between him, <laughs> between him and Chris Bryant. But he's saying, wait, Bryce Harper isn't cool. He's pretty cool. Uh... <laughs> we know who is cool, Merritt. Tell me, Shane Bieber. He is. He's struck out 15 Orioles. He struck out a really bad team, but I mean, he's handsome. I mean, I don't, cool. <laughs> he's handsome. Fun. I feel like that goes nice. under the radar a lot for Shane Bieber. He's a very handsome man, but he struck Great out 15. Smile. Didn't walk anybody. He's probably the best looking guy on the team at this point. I'd say. Let me uh... review these headshots briefly. Oh God, <laughs> uh, Brad Hanson. Oh, it's God. at least. <laughs> Just skip a little bit. It's. I feel like it's at least once or twice a month we get in a conversation about handsomeness or butts or something. But well, you know, it's basically Crasco's up there. Crasco's a very handsome man. Yeah, but um, he just. He, I think that's more of his smile. Is really he's a very winsome <laughs> smile. It still counts. Obviously, it's helpful. It's just he's, he's not classically beautiful like say Shane Bieber, who's tall, lean, just has it all going for him. Really. <laughs> So, so what did you think of his, his his fifteen strikeout performance besides his handsome physique? Um, is it great? Yes. Is it fun to watch him just annihilate people? Obviously. Did he really make Chris Davis look like a, look like the aforementioned little leaguer? He certainly did. I think he struck him out four times <laughs> on like eight pitches. It seemed like too. He just just cut him down. Um, but this kind of goes back to not an issue, but a minor problem that comes along with uh something we talked about a little bit last year too i think um but the indians play so many last year played so many bad teams it was hard to tell how good their pitching really was you know like teams that were just objectively trying to be very terrible uh and then of course you go up against a team that is even worse than i think anything that was rolled out um last season in the AL Central and a guy like Shane Bieber, who's very, very, very good. I think that's, that cannot be ignored. You know, he had 26 swinging strikes um, in 107 pitches. That's an insane number to be hitting. It's just, uh, I don't know. I would, I am my, my, if I was going to nitpick and here I am nitpicking, my problem with him would be the fact that he threw 107 pitches, 53, which were, were fastballs. And then the 30 of which were sliders and 19 curves and five change-ups. Which is a fine mix. The issue being it's dangerously close to the mix that he put up, you know, like last year. Obviously, it's a sub, just barely a sub 50% fastball mix, which is what he needs to do because he just gets too, um, what do you call it, kind of predictable. Uh, Something we've talked about a few different times. He just has a one way of tacking hitters, and that's why he needs to throw the change-up more because it opens him up to be able to get to, you know, just to, to work whole parts of the zone that he otherwise ignores. Other part, so because he doesn't do that, he does things like ignored in, in his 15 strikeouts was that he did give up the hardest hit ball of the entire day, 113.4 mile per hour 
ball after off the bat of Renato Nunez uh, ended up being an out, which was great. But he did, you know, he got hit kind of hard a few times, and it happens to everyone, you know. And, and luck is always very important in baseball. But you know, even the last out of the game was a hundred and ten mile an hour batted ball of uh, Trey Mancini's bat. It was a ground out, which is great. I don't know. You can you, you can kind of look at it a whole bunch of different ways. Still, 15 strikeouts against guys who are ostensibly, you know, major league hitters. Yeah, yeah I think even not walking anybody is impressive in its own. Like, yes. Even if you're facing a bad team, you usually throw four pitches in it, or four bad pitches in a bat at some point. Sure, and I think that is the much more astoundingly amazing part is the no strikeouts amid, amid 15 walks. Or whatever. Yeah. Yeah, I you know, know it's like <laughs> yeah. that reverse it. Jesus. <laughs> um, but I don't know. It's it's just as someone who likes to kind of watch the process and wants to see him grow into become more of a pitcher. I mean, obviously the location and the, and the slider is dope and everything like that. I just want to see more of the change if only because it'll make him way more of a complete pitcher and allow him to really cut down lefties uh, with with much more ease than he has, I suppose, in the uh, comparatively in the past, you know. That's all. What do you think? What did you think of it? Did you enjoy it? Did you enjoy what he did to those poor hitters? <laughs> did you enjoy this poor man mercilessly cutting down other human beings? Of course just I annihilated. Did. He, he made these grown men look as though they were playing a different game. Chris Davis <laughs> My favorite thing four times. <laughs> My favorite thing about the whole game was it came out afterwards that apparently um, he was ducking Carl Willis. He didn't want to be pulled out of the game. And then when Carl was talking to him, he asked, how much does it mean to you? And he said, a lot. And so he just let him stay in, even though he was going over 100 pitches. That's really cool. I mean, he wasn't like in Trevor Bauer, 120-pitch territory. So let him at least yeah, try it. And he pitches. did, and I it mean, worked yeah. out. So I think that's cool. Yeah, I, mean, that's I think that's, that's one of those things. He has how many? Yeah, he's got what? Right, yeah, he's no longer. He can have the cuffs off now. Yeah, no, exactly. I, th- I think I think that's that is probably the most encouraging thing. This is, well, it's something we saw out of, if you want to go back almost nearly a year ago, it's something we saw out of uh, Mike Clevenger through a complete game against the, um, against these same Orioles on April 21st of last year. It was his first complete game. It was kind of a coming out party in, of sort it was between that and then his, the, the quote unquote hot gun game in uh, Chicago um, these, oh, right, yeah. these these are milestone games, and you know, again, we we, we, we you forget the guy's still only twenty four years old. I mean, he's definitely miles ahead of any, of where anyone would ever ever expected him to be as a pitcher. You know, like last year when he just posted a four fifty five ERA and all this stuff and had all these great peripherals, that was even that was kind of far, far ahead of where we thought it was. But now that he's cut the the hits down by a bunch, the home runs are up a bit, but that happens, whatever. But he's still yeah. walking through the amount of guys, and the strikeouts are up, and that's that sort of thing. So just watching this, this is the evolution. It's just, and I, I, obviously, I'm I am nitpicking, and I'm trying to force something here uh, in terms of <laughs> said evolu- said evolution. Yeah, I've I've seen inside out. I know how emotions work. I know that when that happened, he has a nice little Carl Willis island in his brain now that um, that joy and sadness will travel to eventually, mm-hmm. and uh, and that's how it works, man. Have you seen inside out? Because uh, that's how emotions work. Actually, it made me feel very sweet and good and happy <laughs> on the inside. See, so so you know how it is. Like Shane Bieber has a nice little island now. It's just it's um, Carl Willis's face, just letting him pitch, and then and it's a every little, once in a while he'll just hold up a little orb. 
And the little memory is happiness and also <laughs> anger, I think. It's two colors. It's two different colors. I would think if you're a pitcher, like, you know how they always show, like, different people have all these things? You could have a lot of anger, I think. If oh, you're a lot pitcher, of, yeah, right? a lot of red ones. Oh, yeah. There's <laughs> a lot of red oh, people in there. Oh, baby. <laughs> That's a lot a of Don pitcher, Rickles in there. Oh, yes, definitely. <laughs> so the other thing that happened that was fun um, against the Orioles, and I guess it's been going back for a while now, I found out, is that uh, the Indians, they're, they're, they're pew-pewing their way to some wins. I mean, they're... I don't know Matt, if you notice when they hit doubles, triples, what? Yeah. You're underselling some of the greatest journalism of the 21st century. <laughs> David Fahrenthold's uh, <laughs> Pulitzer Prize winning, uh, uh, what do you call it, reporter for the Washington Post. Get the hell out of here. Matt Lyons We got some here. finger guns. We got finger guns, baby. That article hauled ass, and everyone needs to read it. <laughs> I was really excited about it. I, I, I read, I, this is like the end result of several days of not knowing what to write about. And mm-hmm. I was just like, fuck it, I'm going to write out finger guns now because they did finger guns. And it's something weird that I can analyze. And it basically amounted to just going in because baseball savant, this tool, if you haven't used it, it's super cool because you can find like certain events and it just pulls up the day for you. So Ooh. I did that and then manually went to MLB TV whenever there was a double or a triple and pulled out the old finger guns whenever they got them and recorded that. And then <laughs> using individual frames of the GIF and calculating it with 30 frames a second. I could find out who actually drew their finger guns the fastest and who shot the most shots and who mm-hmm. shot them the fastest. And basically what it amounts to is Oscar Mercado. He is the the Wild West. He's he's flinging those finger guns like nobody else. Um, Kevin Pilecki draws really quick. You it's, should have really sold it like a, like a buzz. The results will shock you. <laughs> Oscar You'll Mercado, never guess who was player? the fastest. <laughs> <laughs> Mercado's also like a stone cold pewer because he doesn't like show a lot of emotion when he's pewing. Mm. He's just like staring mm-hmm. ahead and and just shooting away, which is really cool. But listen, when you're out there on the range and you're in, you're going up in a gunfight against another just cold hearted man, well, I got his cold fingers steel at your hip. Can't have emotion. <laughs> and even tonight, like against the the A's, they're they're losing, but they're still finger gunning all over the place, which is cool. There's there's been several tonight there to jump on. And just try to grab real quick just to ride the wave of my new brand, which is to be added every time somebody finger guns. Um, I mean, Jose Ramirez did it for the, as far as I can tell, it's the first time he's done it. Um, Jason Kipnis did it again. His are the best because he'll like, he just acts like he's fixing a sock. And then all of a sudden he's like, bam, I'm finger gunning. He's got just Ooh. a gun out there. Ooh, baby. And then today he actually <laughs> loaded the gun, which was really cool. As he was putting his stuff away, he loaded a fake gun and then flipped it and then did the finger gun. That was cool. Um, Jordan Luplo, he's really sneaky about it. It is. It was really cool. I mean, last year they had the what was that stupid hand thing they did? That was know. lame. That's like corny Disney movie baseball stuff where they like were together or whatever. You know what I'm talking yeah. about, right? Well, yeah, yeah. Though the, the entire rally together hashtag is trash. So this this is the new one. Hashtag <laughs> the new hashtag guns. better be pew pew. Yeah. Ooh, there it is. Yeah, pew pew and a little Indians logo. Let's just oh, make them so good. Let's just make a budget one. There we go. <laughs> well, we were we were on the the bang the drum thing for a while there, but I'm I'm all on pew pew if they're all going to do this. Now, bang the drum um, is dope, obviously, and I think it, is, it, yeah. it, it, it should always be around. But yes, pew pew is definitely <laughs> it, it, it has it pops and it definitely has more legs in the social media world we live in. And Kevin Pilecki's, if you ever saw his, I mean, he gets really into it. He like slaps his legs and pulls up the guns. Ooh. I'm looking at him now, going through them because they're so cool. I love all these. Um, Jason Kipnis just sort of hides them and pops them out. And I haven't seen yeah, Lindor do that many, which is kind of disappointing. <laughs> I'm just reading my own article right now. It's really who wrote this thing. This is really this good. Is a genius. I bet this author man. is really handsome. <laughs> I can just handsome, I can tell wise. how good looking this guy is just by <laughs> just, just by the word he used. <laughs> oh yeah, type that finger gun in there. <laughs> <laughs> all right all right all right calm down yeah, man, that's that's the journalism for the week the uh the best 
the best writing. Every every week we highlight the best Indians writing. We always do, Marriott. And this week it's about the finger guns. <laughs> true, so. we do. <laughs> so read the finger guns. That was a, a pain to like grab all that stuff. I'm never doing that again, but it was fun to do. Oh, one, making so. gifts. Uh, not to complain about the actual work sometimes. <laughs> making <laughs> gifts sucks ass sometimes. I love doing it. Uh, yeah, it's, it's it really fun. Helps. Like yeah, that feeling when you get it all done and it's all sitting there and you can just do the fun part of it. That's a mm-hmm. really cool feeling to have, but it's mm-hmm. getting there is hard. Especially with the track through multiple games, but but having that baseball savant thing really helps to do it. So, I wish they would just extend the length of their clips because they always cut them out right at the end. I guess for the most part that works, but when you're trying to find finger guns, you got to have a longer clip right. at the end. So, I mean that, that's yeah. the thing. There should be there should be another search feature for silly little things they do on the base pads. You know, <laughs> this is it's also, also important to us. Yeah, baseball reference should also have a pew speed tracker. That would have made this a lot easier. Why isn't baseball reference tracking how fast people draw their finger guns? Because they're trapped in the past. That's the problem with baseball today. <laughs> this is huh? the future of baseball. This is the future gunning. of baseball. These old fuddy-duddies up in the league <laughs> office. Let me tell you something, Matt. They look down at these young guys with their pew-pew-pew, and they're like, oh, this is not the game I played when I was a boy. Uh, there was no six, pew-pewing in my There game. was never a pew-pew. We just um, loaded our musk. I don't know. You, you were going with something there that just trailed off, didn't it? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We just loaded. Uh, ah, whatever, you know. Yeah. But yeah Muskets, etc. It's uh, <laughs> We just played the game the way it was meant to be played. No guns, just knives? I don't even know. <laughs> That's what they did. They rounded the bases and fake stabbed everybody. That was <laughs> <laughs> Is there one you would do if, the, if there was, unless you were going to finger gun? Seeing finger guns, that's what I would do now. I would finger gun. But, but if you wanted the Indians to do anything else, like, We've seen other. There's the stirring the pot. Some people do, which is lame and overplayed. Do you mean the um, st- stirring the bowl? Like the, whatever. Uh, the, the thing that like James Harden does? Because that's more of a basketball thing anyway. I mean. No, there's. The, what team did that a couple years ago? Somebody did that a lot. But it, it's, I mean, I've seen it a bunch. The, it's not creative. There's the suck it that X-Pac used to do back in the <laughs> Attitude Era of <laughs> WWE. Which there you go. Hilarious. Uh, uh, I mean, I've, I've crotch grabs is always funny. That would be the last half a game before someone really cracked down. Uh, uh, I want to. I like a, like a big smile and wave as though it's like a kindergartner like going. You know what I mean? Like bye. You know that sort of thing. That's always a fun. That one. That would be the most infuriating for the other team. I think if you're waving right at them. Forget yep. finger guns. A big smile and wave. That's the worst. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I, I, I do like the suck it sign. A big. Like a belly rub, like you're a big fat man at a big old lunch. You're like, mm. <laughs> you get the whole thing, you act like you're putting on a little picnic, you sit next down to the base, rub mm-hmm. your belly, get you're going. Tagged out, you know, the whole thing. <laughs> <laughs> but you know what? You celebrated. That's what's important. Let the kids yep. play, right? Listen, let the kids play. All right. <laughs> so the last thing I have um, for games this week is that a couple weeks ago, when we were on that, that I guess it wasn't even, it must have been a week ago, but we were talking about the aforementioned low point of the Indians. And Tito playing all these guys who shouldn't be playing all the time. And I think sure. I, I lumped Mike Freeman in a little too early. Rude. Because what in the world? This guy, he hasn't played a whole lot anywhere. He, no. he was drafted by the Diamondbacks. He's, how old is he? He's already 31. He only has a little major league experience. But all of a sudden, he has a 21% walk rate. And he has a 419 on base percentage. And I don't, is this... Is this Joey Votto? Did we find another Joey Votto? Almost definitely, right? I mean, there's, there's there's no two ways about it. There's a guy. He's a guy who is just he's the best out there these days. I'll be honest with you. I hadn't even noticed until you mentioned this uh, yesterday. I know. He had it in AAA, too. It was super short um, in AAA. It was only nine games, but it's only been 14 in the majors. But 
that's that's now two levels he's kept this really high walk rate out of nowhere and i don't get it and i like it because this is like my kind of guy this is why i like roberto perez this is why i like carlos santana i like the guys that draw a bunch of walks and maybe run into a home run and maybe that seems like what freeman is which is kind of cool well um is he doing anything outsized to what he i mean the thing is we're just dealing with such a small sample size not 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 to get too nerd heavy on this one I don't even know, man. You know, he's, he's swinging at less pitches out of the zone. He's just swinging, he's swinging at, less at 16% of the pitches outside of the zone, which is ridiculous. But he's swinging at only 48% in the zone, which is a 20-point yeah. <laughs> drop-off almost. from his. He's just not swinging. He's like, yeah, we'll see what happens. I mean, damn pitch moves too much these days. I can't even make contact. I'm just going to go see what happens. I can't keep up with these dang kids and their finger guns and their moving pitches. Here's my approach. I won't swing. Oh, interesting. Interesting. Now, he could take this to a whole other level and, and you know, pull a Brandon Geyer and just be unsettlingly over the plate and then, you know, raise that on base percentage even more. You know, take a few hits. I mean, yeah, he's not good usually and he wasn't supposed to be anything at all, but here we are. 20. He was just a signing, right? He wasn't even a trade or anything. He was, they just grabbed no, him. No, he just kind of showed up one day. I don't even think they signed him. He, they just, he just won't go home. <laughs> He just been on the Indians for a while. Like, Get out of here. No, nah, I'm good. It's all right. All right, man. So anything, oh, we didn't talk about Oscar Mercado. How did we, other than his finger gun? Well, th- um, are we done with Mike Freeman? All right. Moving on right um, on. Did you, have, <laughs> did you have anything else about Mike Freeman? He's, he's kind of really. good. He walks I, a little bit. I want to just publicly apologize to calling him a veteran retread and lumping him in with Carlos Gonzalez. Do I prefer him over Carlos Gonzalez at this point? I do prefer oh, him over Carlos yeah. Gonzalez at this point. I <laughs> just wish Carlos Gonzalez would go away. I, they should have kept Hanley Ramirez. That, that, that's the that's like God's honest truth. Yeah, between the two of them, if, if Gonzalez is going to DH anyway, Hanley Ramirez is way more fun and hit the ball way harder. So Yeah, exactly. Carlos Gonzalez hasn't hit the ball hard in 150 years. Like he's been. I don't get why Hanley doesn't have a job anywhere else yet either. Like Somebody could do something with it. Hit the ball really hard every single time. You know, the worst part, I think, about the era of tanking is that one of the two aspects of tanking, the first one obviously being get players who can't play good, so you are bad, but also the other aspect is cut payroll, which means you're going to have a lot of guys on rookie contracts and things of that nature. By the very nature of who he is and whatnot, it'd be hard to pay someone like Hannah Ramirez, a, a rookie, like a, you know, a, four, a, a league minimum sort of a thing. It used to be. When you were bad, you worked your way out of the league. You know, you'd, you'd follow that same old track back in the old days. You'd go from, let's say you were a good player on, I don't know, the Yankees. You'd go from the Yankees to the Blue Jays to the Orioles, and you start making your way to the Midwest and wander through like the Reds and the Pirates and the Indians and the Royals. And then you kind of wend your way out there to the Padres or whoever. And then you just kind of disappear. You know, you have that, that, that ride in the sun. Almost literally you ride west. And you just kind of disappear off into the into the ocean. And that doesn't happen anymore. Teams are too smart. And old players are too expensive. And it's just Henry Ramirez is just gone now. He's going to go to, I don't know, Korea or the Dominican. Or where is he from? Yeah, the Dominican. And just, just hit bombs for another 15 years or something. You know, live that, 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 that sweet Julio Franco dream. But. It's a damn shame we don't get to see him kind of wind his way out of the league. I think it's because we still have these older players who were part of before all the the smart people came to front offices who were. I think eventually it's going to catch up again where we're going to have the riding off into the sunset thing, but it'll be more applicable players to how the game is today. Like Hanley Ramirez, I don't think he he fits in anywhere. Because like, exactly what you were saying, teams are cutting payroll and they're not going to get I mean, a player like Hanley. But it's also weird because he does kind of fit. He's a really hard-hitting player, which is what people are trying to get now. I, I I want to believe you, I really do, but it's just 
with advances in player development and the league getting younger and young people being cheaper and everything like that, there's just 35 is going to be start becoming a harder and harder ceiling of player age. Oh, yeah, yeah. Know? What I'm saying is it's going to be younger in the future. Like, there's not even right. going to be this Henley Ramirez being left out to dry because he won't be here at 35. Right, like, I mean, right be the sunset will, already happened. You know, yeah, exactly. Players will be yeah. out of here by, you know, their, their their sunset years will be on bad teams when they're 33, 34. As opposed to you know thirty eight thirty nine, right. which is you know I mean which is exactly what Ramirez did I guess. It's just he went right from Boston to Cleveland to gone. There was no Kansas City stint. There's no, um, I don't know. Angels was a good one back in the day. Which Rockies, is kind of sad. Maybe. You're right. It's it's yeah. It's a damn shame. I mean, Mark Reynolds yeah. is a classic. Because if, if you're tanking, you might as well just use your prospects and let them see what they do. And yeah, no, exactly. Suck, I mean, obviously, you don't want to you don't want to burn your if if you have a top flight prospect, you don't want to burn their their what do you call them. But like those guys who you drafted, you know, in the thirteenth round, the fifteenth round, maybe they're good. You know, maybe something will click, and you'll have a guy who's a good reliever for a year or two, and you can trade him for more prospects or something. Or the Eric Stamets, uh, and then you just never call him up again. <laughs> that's a name I haven't heard in a long. Eric Stamets. Oh right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Going back. <laughs> going back to that great finger guns article. It required going back to a lot of old games. And, oh, this team was so ugly at the beginning of the year. No Francisco Lindor. That seems like mm-hmm. a long time ago. Oh, Eric Stametz was the thing. It was really gross for a while. You guys have had but... some weird players come through the last couple of years. Like, remember Oliver Drake? He went through everywhere. He just, he was, <laughs> what was he on? Like, yeah, he was on several teams. Last year for a bit. Um, who else was on this team that I just don't Max Maroff was kicking around for a bit. I mean, that was this yeah. year, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm just I'm just thinking of names, guys who I've already half forgotten about. I'm glad uh, Luplo is turning into something. Adam Rosales, Brandon Barnes. Uh, yeah, Adam Rosales, I completely forgot was on the team last year, and then isn't like he... who? Who is Ben Taylor? I don't know, but he played <laughs> six innings for the Indians last year. <laughs> All these people just keep sneaking in, and we don't know why. <laughs> but it's just here ridiculous. For... Oh, look at that mustache! God damn, <laughs> should get him back. Woo, baby. <laughs> Never mind. Back in the Ben Taylor. Remember train. Matt Belisle? That was a guy. I do, Jeff actually. Bellevue. I remember These Matt all... Belisle because his name Belisle is also another name for Satan. So that is a know. thing. He's also the boss of the third act of Diablo Three. So that's true, and I believe it is a name <laughs> that pops up in one of the Max Payne video games. <laughs> oh, Alexio Gondo pitched a single game for the Indians, but I actually thought it was more. He really only pitched an inning. Wow. I thought oh, it, I, I thought he was around a while. I'll be honest with you. I was a little he bit excited for Alexio Gondo. I liked yeah, Alexio so Gondo I. when he was younger. Yeah. Mm. He kicked around that the AAA for a little while, but but exactly one inning for the Indians and never saw again. They're cycling through people a lot days. slower this year because the, the, the bullpen is a complete garbage, so that's a good thing, I guess. But. Right, exactly. The churn has slowed down, which is an, a positive. Right. Yeah, the, the churn is there until you find your, your three-headed monster, Brad Hand, Adam Simber, <laughs> and Nick Whitgren. Whatever. I don't care. If it works, it works. Yeah. And we didn't mention that Neil Ramirez is no longer part of that. He was DFA'd, so that's a good We don't thing, have so. to. It's fine. No, just... it's <laughs> I agree. <laughs> Never speak of it again. Um, yeah, we, we should talk at least a little bit before we get to questions about Oscar Mercado coming up because we spent Definitely. all of last episode and then he's looked pretty impressive, right? He's already he's had a couple hits, a couple doubles, mm-hmm. he drew mm-hmm. a walk. His first game was awful, but he's He's already looked a lot more confident to play. He made some stuff happen with his speed already. I, I believe it was, didn't he get from second to third? And then there was a bad throw, which is basically mm-hmm. all the pressure from how fast he is. And um, yeah, no, it'll be rules. a while before I'm we up. have, yeah, before we have a full stat cast stuff. But he's already up there in sprint speed, and there's going to be more coming soon. 
we're um I, I think we're actually closing in on what could be a very firm outfield soon and i'm excited about that and that outfield will look as uh probably like what we saw tonight monday night uh luplo in right uh did Mercado start tonight he, he did, did start tonight left. yeah in left and then you put uh martin in center i mean obviously it's not ideal it's not perfect but it's probably a, a firmer outfield than we've really kind of had a feel for in since the beginning of the year really i'd say yeah i agree you know it's like uh <clears throat> We 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 talked before about Carlos Gonzalez. Um, they got to figure out what, what what the hell is going on with Jake Bowers, like what he is. I don't know if it's going to be a, a platoon thing between him and uh, uh, Luplo, but they got to figure out that that side of things as well. So yeah, I guess Naquin. Oh god, I hope he's not in the factor, but I guess he's going to be back at some point in a platoon somewhere. But yeah, I don't know that. What what the hell? Um, I'm I'm fine with giving up on him already. <laughs> I mean, like. Here's the I don't, thing. Jake I don't Bowers see the... has reverse splits. I mean, it's in small samples and everything, but he has reverse splits so far this year, which is I don't I don't feel like Tito pays attention to that. I think he just strictly goes left right, doesn't he? I mean, I th- I don't I know think... that he looks at actual splits a whole lot. I could be well, wrong, but the the pair of them are really going to annihilate left handed hitters or left handed pitchers, <laughs> I guess. So <laughs> and nobody else they have that yeah. going for them. So that's great. Yeah, but. No, I know it's it's we're we're closing in. I think on a, on a firmer outfield. Ideally, um, everything Luplo is doing now is real and not a total sample size ruse. And Jake Bowers finds himself, and uh, Mercado is the real deal as well. And suddenly, Leonis Martinez is a fourth outfielder. And if that actually happens, the Indians go from having a pit of hell for the outfield to suddenly a very good outfield that yeah. came together as if by accident. And like, I don't, <laughs> I'm not, I'm not even hoping for like amazing numbers. Many of these guys, like basically what Luplo is doing, what two fifty eight, three nineteen, five thirty two is his slash line. Like something like that out of powers. I mean, you can shift the, the on base. Perc- I mean, he's got a three nineteen on base. Perc- he's got to start hitting some more power, but that's about it. You just have to get some more hits and then Mercado doing whatever he does. So I don't know. I'm not looking for obviously, you know, solid gold across the board, but something valuable would be nice. And I don't know. I think we're close to seeing something like that, whether it will take until the second half to start taking shape. I don't know. You wonder how much time the Indians have. They're not like far, far, you know, out of the, out of the lead or anything like that. So there's definitely time to make stuff up. And with, uh, Clevenger coming back and news of Kluber coming down and obviously the emergence of uh, Jeffrey Rodriguez, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, I don't know. And the bullpen finally uh, coming together. The team is much better now than it was a month ago. So that's a positive, at least. It's got a I – th- I think there's a probably a twin series coming soon. It's going to tell us a lot about the Indians. And that's uh, – maybe not even tell us a lot, but at least have – far-reaching effects on the on the season and the fact that the the outfield is starting to take shape again we're counting on yeah, a lot isn't of it nice to have a series real. a series this early that's going to matter quite a bit at least a little bit it's kind of neat to have a twin series we can actually look forward to instead of just i wonder how many games will be ahead of the twins after this series well <laughs> I mean, it sucks fairness, that these have been bad but in fairness the indians once. last couple of years the only series that have matters have been the ones in april and, and may because they're the only ones that were that were the things were close so that at least, um, right? Yeah, I don't know. It's because they got a four game set against the White Sox, and then and then three against the Twins to 
the beginning of June. So that's a nice little warm up against the Sox. And then there you go. Hit, hit them. And then the Yankees come to town to, to dampen all the excitement. That's great. <laughs> With half their roster on fire and they'll still. But then, then it goes Reds, Tigers, Rangers. So, and then Tigers again. And then Royals. <laughs> and then Orioles. Oh, okay. Boy, all right. That's a, nice, that's a couple winning streaks in there for you. After <laughs> wow. you okay, by so, the Yankees. All right. So after the Yankees uh, leave town, uh, Reds, Tigers, Rangers, Tigers, Royals, Orioles, Royals, Reds, Twins. And that gets us up to the after break. That's not a bad little streak there. <laughs> no, no, there's a there's there's some uh, there's some room to be made up there pretty much. Now does that uh, does that almost have a bad effect? Like if we we're thinking really far ahead here, if they say the Indians do like really well over that stretch and then they they somehow like bust open a huge lead in the AL Central and then I, I would hope the front office is smarter than to just realize to, to, to rely on that. But if it looks like the Indians are all of a sudden a completely fixed team and they don't bother doing anything, the deadline is that another like blowout we're looking at in the postseason? Because <laughs> the well, deadline has always been my point where I'm looking for them to put up together their final team, and if they don't add anything, I'm going to be a little bit worried. I think. Well, remember, we're supposed to enjoy this all while we can. First of all, we but we all know this. Gross. Uh, but... <laughs> <laughs> Gross, Merritt. But. That's a good question. I mean, if they start rattling off a bunch of wins all of a sudden, I don't know. I mean, that's that, that one would hope that the front office sees that they are good and they can do something more in the postseason. But what they would need to get would be at that point. We can't figure that out now because again, is is the the outfield coming together? And if it is, then they don't need any outfielders because they they would have three outfielders under team control for you know, the next half, the next, you know, seven years or whatever. Um, do they need a pitching or uh, starting pitcher? No. Even if another one gets hurt, they don't need another starting pitcher. Do they need a bullpen guy? Yeah, probably. Um, I guess the only place you could really fix would be second base, I guess. That's not know. getting fixed. Nice try, Mary. No, that's no, no, that's no, staying for a while. <laughs> Shut up. All right. I'm a fucking dream, uh, man. Uh, no, I don't know. I, that, that, that's a fair question, but I mean, I, I, I think if your question is actually if they rattle off a bunch of wins, are the Indians going to be buyers at the trade deadline? They have to be, right? Like they I have would hope to be. So. Yeah. I mean, unless they really hit the skids, you know. Like I, I would hope that they win the next couple against the Athletics, and then because they got Athletics, Rays, Red Sox. Oof, they got a, a tough road to hoe here. Um, Kind of uh, keep your head above water before this soft period comes through. So we'll see. Um, no, I don't know. It's, it's, let's not have this conversation now because it's, <laughs> it could end up being depressing later on. So we'll yeah. figure it out. Um, so what about, how about we answer some questions instead? Um, let's do it. Twitter. <laughs> on Twitter, what do you want us to know? We, we used to do this every week, but now that we have, we're doing more interviews, we'll just do like a mailbag episode once a month, I think. Um, or eventually make it a different show. We haven't decided yet. Um, but. But for now, it's the, the first question from at Ghost in the Shell. He wanted to know, how do you feel about an outfield of the future that consists of Zimmer, Mercado, Johnson, which Daniel Johnson, with Greg Allen coming off the bench, which that's a really, I mean, it, it sort of blends in with what you we were just talking about. But like this could be the future outfield of, of Bradley Zimmer, Oscar Mercado, Daniel Johnson is maybe a couple more years away, but then Greg Allen, the fourth outfielder. Um, and that's being maybe a little optimistic with every single prospect working out the way they're supposed to, but. But that's that's a pretty good. I mean, Daniel Johnson looked really good, making the Jan Gomes trade continue to look outstanding. But Bradley Zimmer is a huge question mark, and I still don't believe that much in Greg Allen. So maybe 
half of that. <laughs> I'm I'm fully in on Oscar Mercado right now. I'm really optimistic about Johnson in a couple years. Um, but the other two I'm not so sure of. But what do you think? How how would you feel about that outfield and the chances of it actually happening? I mean, chances are low, obviously, because they're fucking prospects. But I'd love it. I I, I I I circle back to what I just said before about what looks like a, I, if it all works out, um, and then you start running an issue of room. Like I don't know. I I still think the best spot for um, Jake Bowers, or at least right now, is still the outfield, just only because he has the legs to play out there. The arm is shit. That's why you put him in, in left field. Uh, and just keeping him out because I don't I I I don't want to waste whatever athleticism he has in a DH role, and I don't think he's going to be playing first base this year. Maybe next year, who knows? But yeah, I mean, if Zimmer actually can finally turn into something, that'd be cool. I think that's the the, the crux of it all. Like you said, uh, Johnson's beating the hell out of the ball uh, in Double A this year. I think that if he does this again next year, we'll. we'll he's still probably i don't know i don't know he, he might actually get a call up to triple a this year honestly if he's really playing this well i mean yeah he could he could jump a couple like speed up a little bit if he keeps hitting this well so right i mean he's because he was already, yeah he was already he already played what 89 games in double a last year too so he's got 100 and some odd games you know 500 at bats or whatever it is almost in double a it's not i don't know if it's healthier not to keep him there and the indians don't as much as I said about it, it would be cool if this worked out for the outfield, it hasn't yet. They still need outfielders, and um, I mean it's up to them, obviously. But if it was an outfielder of like the guy said, what was it, Mercado, Johnson, and Zimmer? Dope. I think if it's an outfielder of what they have now, that'd be dope too. If they all actually started hitting, it would be nice if they could find some homegrown outfielders. I think is the the takeaway I have here. Thoughts. No, that's that's yeah. I would love. I said I said I only believed in half of it, but I would love for all of that to be true. Like, sure, having a fully outgrown, homegrown outfield would be incredible. I think that's that's it would be it would be super dope. I mean, especially with those guys because that's that's four super fast outfielders. Because Zimmer, Mm -hmm. Mercado, I I think Johnson has really good speed, and of course Red Gallon flies. So that's a really fun fast Mm -hmm. outfield, which is cool. Yeah. Well, and even Um, you know, I mean. I mean, as much as we want to poo-poo him because he's he takes some amazing routes in the outfield. I mean, Jake Bowers is fast. He's yeah, fast for a big guy at the very least. And Lupolo's fine, too. So, Yeah. Yeah. Um, so at... Thanks for the question, whoever. Yeah, thank you, guys, on the show. So at 614 Sports Fan, he asked, is there a merit to arguments we we're hearing about giving young players like Mercado and Allen consistent playing time when they're up? Are young, are young players incapable of performing well in a platoon? If so, where do we go when Naquin comes back? I don't understand the question. <laughs> so he's basically asking, is there people always say like young players they need. Basically what he's saying is this this radical idea of giving young players a chance to play instead of just platooning them all the time. <laughs> like is it good to do that instead of just um like is, is maybe that part of the reason we've seen like the Yandi Diaz and now Gio Rochella and Jesus Aguilar leave and be so successful is that they've they didn't get consistent time in Cleveland and they're getting it elsewhere and proving that they, they can play when they get it. So is there anything to letting these young players actually just play every day compared to platooning them, which is maybe you can squeeze slightly more value out of a platoon than letting them just play every day, but maybe it's just better to let them grow as an everyday player. Well, I mean, I think we, we, we all kind of agree, right. That it's better for baseball players to play more, right. That's kind of like a, 
an old adage, that, yeah. I guess. It's just one of those things. Yeah, we're all just like it's like baseball is a game you have to play every single day. By the way, the last month, Yeti Diaz is hitting two twenty five, two seventy six, four twenty five. I always knew he was garbage. That's what I was. Uh, trash boy, trash, 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 trash. Babbit. He's he's a Babbit king. Anyway, oh, I miss you forever. Uh, <laughs> please come back. Hold uh, please come back. <laughs> uh, so I don't know. I mean, it's just I think it's not so much, at least as, as I see it. It's not so much just let the kids play. It's don't play the old guys who are bad, right? Um, <laughs> it's, it's kind of that simple. Like if you have a known commodity and, or quality or quantity or whatever the hell you want to call it in, in Carlos Gonzalez or you know the now departed Hanley Ramirez or whoever, and that known quantity is a 55 OPS plus and you know, s- s- statuesque outfield or outfield play, or you have a guy who – was heralded by one of the more forward-thinking um, organizations in baseball as a good hitter who has some speed in the outfield, or you have a guy who's young, exciting, fast, hits the ball to all fields, and can play center field. And both of these guys are under, I think they're both under 24, right? Talking about Bowers and Mercado, right? Yeah, they're both on, They're both years from whatever prime we we hope from them. It doesn't make any sense for me to play the, the old guy. I guess that, that that that's the way I always look at it. If if you have a bad old player and also, a, I guess, a, a poorly performing young player, but who has upside, I bet on the upside every time because the other guy's not going to get any better. We know this because that's how these arcs work, right? Um, Jose Batista is an outlier. Guys don't just become superstars at 29 or 31 or whatever all of a sudden. And Carlos Gonzalez is, is years past 31 anyway. Um, that's just, I don't know. That's just how, I mean, I I know we harp on a lot, but it's, I just, I don't think it's a radical idea at all to just play the young guys. And if it turns out, yeah, they are, they have an intense platoon split. I mean, the fact of the matter is we've only seen how many at bats out of um, Jake Bowers in his career um let me even look at this i can do that i can use the internet to find this out either way like at least let him get a chance against those other guys and and beat the the, the platoon disadvantage that he has instead of just enforcing have a career it constantly. 548 plate appearances over two years from jake bowers and that encapsulates his his first full season or his first season which is almost all the time i think just a season you can almost throw out right because it's just you're new and no one knows what to think of you. There's no book on you. And so then they adjust to you and you have to adjust back. And like, it's not even a full season. Uh, we don't know anything about him yet. Um, if you want to call him a platoon hitter, then you have to call him a guy with reverse splits anyway, or even not that he's a six, a seven one OPS against righties and a six sixty two against lefties. He hits everyone poorly right now. So um, no, there's a, I don't know. I, I, you figure out if they're a platoon, and you don't usually figure that out when they're less than 600 bats into their career and 23 years old, you know? Yeah, there's just a lot of assuming, like, this guy's a platoon player. Like, I think, I agree with you, like, if they're older and they're platoon players, sure, use them as one, but not when they're, not this consistently many young players is shoehorning them into to, to that role. Um, I mean, so. I mentioned Mark Reynolds uh, a little while ago, and, I mean, I think even when he was younger, it was stunningly obvious that he was probably going to be a platoon. I'm just going to pull up his 2008 stats and see if what I'm saying is in fact true. Yeah, he was he had a 706 OPS against righties and a 982 OPS against lefties. So there was just evidence very early on. And that's only his second year. Even, you know, so 
when you only have this small, small sample to go off of, and the sample, if anything, says not a platoon player, just isn't hitting well because he's young and he hasn't figured everything out yet, then yeah, I don't know. Yeah, so thanks, uh, 614 sports fan. Yeah, uh, thanks, man. <laughs> thanks for dragging us down into platoon old people. Mark Reynolds' uh, <laughs> nickname is the Sheriff of Swaddingham. Of so, course it is. <laughs> At Rezo Eric 617 he said, At what point does a child consider not sending Oxcart, which, by the way, is using your nickname. It's cool. Back down. <laughs> yeah. What's the timetable on cargo in relation to that, in your opinion? Um, I, I think he's basically asking, when does... Terry Francona's love of recency bias overwrite his love of sending down <laughs> prospects who might be really good in place of old guys, um, which to this point, mm, I mean, Mercado's <laughs> he's done a lot to show that he deserves to be here. So maybe, I don't know if, uh, if, if Tyler Naquin comes back and Mercado goes down, I'm going to riot. I'm going to burn down a city. Um, but how much, how good does he have to be? Do you think before the tribe just, just say he's here, he's not leaving. He is essentially just the everyday outfielder. Anyway, yeah, any of the spots. He's just here every day. And and do you think that is is it cargo that goes down or away when that when it's that time? Well, who else would it be, right? I guess that's that's the first question. I right mean it could now, be Naquin, they just don't when he's activated, they just send him back. Oh, right. Away. So when he comes back, they just send him back down. Right. right yeah. Um It's gotta be the two of them right now though, right? Like, like yeah, that's that. I don't I don't think they're gonna do anything with Jake Bowers. I mean I don't think they want to start burning options on him this early. Carlos Gonzalez, Jordan Lupolo <laughs> As long as he's hitting, you know, as long as he's giving opportunities, I think as long as he the in the opportunities he's having, he is in fact hitting. That's it's a vague way of saying it, but that's just what he has to do. He had a couple hits tonight too on Monday, didn't he? Yeah, no, he's had a couple doubles. At one point, he only had doubles. <laughs> he had yeah, two exactly. or three. Of those so I mean, he's he's definitely performing the way people ask him to. Uh, yeah, I mean, he got another hit tonight. As long as he's Hitting, hitting the ball hard and playing great out, great you know outfield defense. I think that's all you can ask of him because the more he proves, especially in the outfield, I think is 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 vital because Carlos Gonzalez just isn't good there, and the Indians do need guys to play outfield, and there's only so many DH spots. So yes, um, getting rid of him isn't is, is isn't really expensive. Talking about Gonzalez, we signed a two million dollar deal, send him back down, do whatever the hell you want with him. I. I mean, I don't, I don't. There's no number we could really put it on because it could just fucking happen anyway. They just send him down and also send Naquin down for some reason and call up some other old man that they that they sign or something or call back Greg Allen. It's some insane new thing, but I would hate that too. If if somehow Austin Mercado gets down and Greg Allen comes up again and then he's only a fourth outfielder, God, I know. Why are you Why um, are you doing this? Again? Th- why are you putting that out there, Mary? I mean, worst case, Austin Mercado <laughs> stays and he's just the fourth outfielder. But I think he's always he's been hitting. And I know, I mean, we've heard Francona say good things about him in the spring and all this stuff. But, quote-unquote, playing well is what he has to do. And he's been playing well. He's walking. He's uh, getting hits, driving in runs, stealing bases, causing havoc on the base paths. He's being a dynamic player. And I think when, when you keep on popping off the screen, for a guy who's not looking at the numbers, that makes sometimes even more of an impact than just, you know, posting a 300 average. And I think those the words from Francona is more important than we might think. I mean, like if you think of Yandy Diaz and Francisco Mejia, there was always like these slight jabs at something about them. But there hasn't been any of that about Mercado. It was always about how good his swing was and how they think he's gonna be here later on. I mean, there's always the the sprinkled in just generic answers that, oh, he's gonna be a great player, he's working hard and all that garbage. But there are very specific things that Terry Francona seemed to like in spring training about him, which I think is encouraging. There wasn't any like we think he's gonna hit well, but he has to work on his defense or 
whatever the hell he said about Mejia, which was that seemed really weird. But yeah, I think no, I think a, this is one this is a case good where young actually, player, you know, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah so that's that's like, even with like even like Yanni Diaz, who said like he's going to be here for a long time, batting fourth or whatever. Like that was kind of vague. He didn't say anything you liked about him, but he was he has been effusive in his praise of effusive, excuse me, in his praise of Oscar Mercado. So. Yeah, because with Yandy, he that always had the the thing about how he wouldn't take infield or whatever. He wasn't a good enough third baseman or outfielder or whatever. Yeah. But I don't know. Um, so our next question, at Slang EUG, he asked, do you think ownership made moves this offseason with an eye towards next season? The Twins are likely for real, and there are too many holes to fill this season to compete if the offense continues to perform as they have. Well, if you listen to me, you know that this is my exact theory. <laughs> this is a secret rebuild that no one's talking about. And... Uh, you know, like next year is what twenty twenty. They still have their entire pitching staff for at least one more year after that. I know, I know, Bauer is convinced he'll be traded next year, but at this point, with his shitty RA and all this stuff, he's you know, at this point, he's like the third or fourth best pitcher on the team. Oh, that's fun. At this point, Shane Bieber is the ace. Everyone remember that now. Note this down. <laughs> it's true. Shane Bieber's ace. Note this day, 5-20-2019, Shane Bieber ace. <laughs> And you know what? Yeah, maybe they are. Re- for, maybe they are for real. Talking about the um, the twins. I don't think they are. I'm not there yet. They're, that pitching I'm, staff's going to come down, and it's going to drag the rest of the team. It's with just them. not very good. Is the problem? I mean, <laughs> that is I a word know. for it. Yeah, it's not very good. <laughs> maybe it. I mean, I, I do like Jake Odorizzi. He's just he's outperforming a lot of his peripherals. He's walks. A, he's walking a lot of people. He's just avoiding hits a lot. So that's helpful when you have a an, like the outfield they do. I mean, that definitely is helping, but. I don't know. I mean, when you have a guy like uh, Polanco hitting the way he is, and it's just there's I don't know. I, I think there's a lot. I, I I said this what last last month I think right. I think that the what they're doing is a little less for real than the Indians are capable of doing. Whether that holds true, you know, a lot of teams can have fluke half seasons, and players can have fluke seasons sometimes. Uh, the guys who are performing for them are guys who were supposed to perform like this ages ago. You know, guys like uh, Buxton. Uh, not so much Kepler to to an extent, but he, he's always shown to be a pretty good player. But you know, like someone like Eddie Rosario is in the process of having producing his entire wins above replacement total for his entire career in a in a single season. You know, I don't know how for real that is. When you when I see a three forty three batting average, I my eyebrow raises more than anything else because that's usually driven by you know luck. More than anything else, again, he's changed his swing a little bit, and he's 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 made adjustments. So he's not the same player he always was, and this is something we, we always have to keep in mind. These guys are make are attempting to make changes to who they are, um, when they are bad, usually. Yeah. But, and and as far as Slang's like question, um, what was the part? Oh, I, I think do you think there's a secret rebuild this year? I I think that's not too far terribly off. I I also think the Indians just aren't gonna be going for it in any one year i think i've said that a lot in, in post and in podcast i think they're just spreading out their their chance to win over several years as much as possible which means they're gonna have years like this where they're spread really thin um and then in a couple of years when those better prospects come up maybe they'll have other shots but i don't know if they're quite if they quite kick this year altogether but if maybe they will at the deadline think these slight trades where they get better players next year as as part of a small rebuild and they could still probably win the al Central and at least get in the postseason even still doing that so so I don't know. No, I mean that's 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 kind of how I. And I think they've admitted that as much too. You know, like the, the goal is never oh, yeah, to really yeah. stack it all up and go win right now. It's it's always been 
to keep the window open as long as possible and hope some good happens and may, maybe a couple of those good prospects become great ones. You know, like they, they never did the, the the tear down and rebuild like the like the um, Astros and I, I I I hold their front office in high esteem, but I don't think they ever they, they have quite the minds that you know like the Cubs or whoever have, and you know obviously the luck and the and the past good drafting things like that too. So they never really they never really had the bullets to get that that keystone guy or two. And they never had the other guys to make that that killer trade, you know, like that ended up getting the um, other good players and things like that. You know, like the Astros, you know, they got several amazing players in consecutive drafts that they built an entire championship around. So, by the way, Jorge Polanco has elevated his fly ball rate to 51%. I don't know what's happening with him, but whatever. Maybe this is real. If so, damn, suddenly he is the best shortstop in baseball. (laughs) That's for some odd reason. I don't know if that's quite real, but. God damn, like, wow, all right. He's only 25, <laughs> so, woo, baby. <laughs> so we'll finish up um, with one more question from at tribe 907 He asked, does Jose Ramirez stay in the lineup all year no matter how long he struggles? Does he ever get benched or sent to Columbus to work on a swing? Uh, boy, is he bad. I mean, <laughs> even his last seven days where he had a couple, he, he helped out in the, the blowouts. He's still not a good hitter this season. At all, it's it's still the same things as dating back to last. He's gone from Michael Brantley to Tyler Naquin as far as his approach, which is really depressing. It's it's high fastballs are just pumping to him, and he's not hitting any of them. He's still not even striking out that much. It's fourteen point nine percent, but it's just not the results aren't there. And I guess how long do do the Indians let him sit at this bad of a hitter and not move him anywhere or do anything? I mean, I've been surprised he hasn't gotten at least like a day or two off. He's just always been. I know there. that is what's strange. Like what is benching just a couple of days off, I guess. I don't even know. I don't, I don't know if you're going to send him down to the minors. That's that, I think that's a little extreme. No, but I mean, maybe a couple of days off or something might happen. That's about the most I could ever expect out of it. Because like you said, this is really very terrible at this point. He's on a very bad offensive team. He's like the second worst hitter right now, I think. Actually, he's he is tied for with um, Carlos Gonzalez for uh, <laughs> all the shit we're talking about. Carlos Gonzalez, and then here's Jose. And turns out, yeah, turns out, oh, he's worse. Uh, well, no, are know. we counting past players? Because uh, our old pal Eric Stemetz there with a negative forty WRC plus is. Uh... I can't believe he was as bad as he was. <laughs> and he had fifteen <laughs> games to do it. <laughs> I know he had forty eight plate appearances. What the hell? How the hell did that happen? That team was garbage. Uh. I think they'll get a couple of days off soon. I think I just, I just, I don't know. It's weird. You know, this is one of those things about the team that you just kind of look at and just scratch your head. Cause like his OBP should be his batting average. His OPS should be his slugging percentage and something else. He's just not hitting the ball hard. It's so strange. It's, unsettlingly strange. Well, he is hitting it pretty hard, right? It's not a matter of not hitting the ball hard. It's just nothing is dropping for him. Right? Am yeah, I re- was I reading that wrong? I don't know. I thought he was hitting the ball. I don't right. remember. I haven't really actually looked at his um his advanced stats in a couple couple days. So, oh nope, never mind. Days. Forget that. Oh my god. All bad. All bad stuff. <laughs> Why did I think he was? <laughs> Oops. I thought Uh-oh. he was hitting the ball hard. No, nope. no, he's bad. Actually, <laughs> he has a fifteen. He's in the fifteenth percentile for uh. It's not. It's not great. But I mean, he has never been a super hard hitter. I guess we can. Hang our hats on that. It's just been That's placing a good well thing to think about. Well. Sure, bud. All right. <laughs> this is encouraging for you. I, yeah, his exit velocity isn't necessarily down. It's not down at all. It's not down from previous years at all. It's everybody else is hitting the ball harder than he is now. That's not good. In this world where the, <laughs> the ball is easier to hit and everything like that, and 
I mean, his BABIP is at 204, 252 last year. He hit all those home runs, though, 319 the year before that. Yeah, if you want to know how the, the ball how... too much, he's pulling, he isn't pulling the ball as much. Um, he's hitting the ball harder than he ever has, if anything. Uh, he's hitting more fly balls than he ever has. He's barely hitting it. As far as average exit velocity, it's barely a change. The hard hit percentage is a little less, but like last year, he hit the ball hard 88.9% of the time was his average exit velocity, and he was in the 38th percentile. This year, he's hitting it um, average exit velocity of 88.8, and it's the 15th percentile. So it's the rest of the league is just passing him and hitting the ball so hard, and it's depressing. Yeah, he has a career high soft hit percentage, which is I think less than eighty five miles per hour uh, um, exit velocity, and also a career high in hard hit at thirty seven point six. That's over ninety five. Um, very strange. I assume things will even out, but maybe yeah, maybe a couple of days off would be good for him. Because again, his fly ball rate is up. I don't know. Every, all, all the trends are right. I don't know if his if he's just shitty now. I don't. I assume that's not what's happening because things don't just happen like that. He's chasing the ball more than he ever has, almost. Uh, it, it just feels like players, is, teams have an attack for him now, which they never really had before. Yeah, they just have a plan yeah. and they use it so well against him every single time, no matter how what he's doing, which is sad. Yeah, maybe maybe he just maybe they just need to fire Ty Van, Ty Van Berkeley. Who can't do it? He's no, he doesn't not exist. Real, so he's not yeah, real. That's not a person. You know, when a guy says, I'm not going to change what I've been doing for seven years, and you're just like, wait a minute, they've been worse offensively every year for the last seven years. Let's connect the dots here. I don't know what's this, going on. Something smells a little fishy. Okay, this is nothing. This is how normal baseball is. You just keep the same guy around trying to do the same thing over and over. That's how they We did just it need more Carlos Gonzalez's. Just a couple more of those, and we'll be there. That's what we need. What's the portal for Carlos Gonzalez? Carlos Gonzalez, maybe? Something like I that? so. I'll go with that. <laughs> All right, Merritt, that's going to do it for our episode this week. Uh, thank you, everybody, for listening. Whether you're subscribed, don't forget to on iTunes, Spotify, Another all that fun winner. stuff. Pew your guns, shoot your fingers, whatever you want to do. Merritt, talk to you next week. Peace.